0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What?, a comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. This is the second of three installments for episode 29, and Graham McMillan and myself continue to answer listeners' questions as opposed to us on Twitter. I won't disclose all of the questions here, but I will tell you some of the answers, including Fantastic Four, Peanuts, Ghost Rider, Chester Gould's Dick Tracy, Jack Kirby's Demon, Black Lightning, Brian Woods' Josie and the Pussycats, Luke Cage, Buck Wild, and much more. Thanks for listening.
1: Okay, what's the <laughs> first comic you ever read? Uh, do you remember the first comic you ever read? Uh, I can remember, like, maybe not the first comic I read. I can definitely remember some very early comics. Uh, what I wanted to say my first American comic I ever read was an issue of Super Friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am... Fairly, like, I know for a fact. I can remember the first comic I bought and decided that... And somehow knew I was going to collect comics. Mm-hmm. which was uncanny x-men 185 wow um, but that's probably it like my first comic is probably something like the bean or wizard chips like one of the British comedy comics
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I would I would be really hard pressed to figure out what the first comic I, I bought was I was looking again it was one of those deals maybe I can access this on my computer because I don't I stumbled across... Oh, because I decided to jump through the Fantastic Fours and kind of poke ahead at at roughly where I remember starting reading, and I came across an issue of Fantastic Four that just had me baffled. Like, I was so young, I didn't quite understand the story, and to be fair, like, rereading it, like, 30-some-odd years later, it was clear that Jerry Conway, who was writing it, didn't either, so, you know, it was kind of a draw. Uh, But... (laughs) So, and that was, like, I want to say it was, like, Fantastic Four, like, 126 or 127. I was just looking at it. Um, let's see if my computer feels
1: like... I'm now trying to find it, because I can remember the cover of the Super Friends issue, so I'm now trying to find out what issue it was.
0: Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, why isn't my... Okay, there we go. 19... Why isn't
1: you... <laughs> your computer... Because yeah, your my...
0: computer... Yeah, my computer does hate me. Uh, I don't... Okay, it was before... Um, yeah, okay, so hold on, let's see, is it, the computer's opening, I'm tempted to say, it It looks like, oh, oh, this might be it, yeah, um, wow, my computer's being so slow, I don't think this is the right. I should have opened it's definitely it's a Fantastic Four comic from 1972 is one of my earliest comic books like I said I had it it made no sense to me it it and interestingly enough which I, I didn't realize it was it featured uh, the Shaper of Worlds who's like always been one of my favorite characters and just the other day I was thinking like oh my god they should really do something with the Shaper of Worlds because it's such a such a great concept
1: that's going and to be the end of Fear Itself just you wait
0: yeah, it it probably is. Um,
1: I can tell you, by the way, Super Friends issue 45 was, um, was, I believe, my first American comic. Really? Yeah. Interesting.
0: Okay, wait a minute. Was it this Return of the Monster? Maybe I'm later. I, you know, I think I must have read... This is... The thing that gets confusing, and I, I don't know if you have the same problem, but you know, it's that uh, you start looking at... Um, you know, there's the first comic you read and then, of course, you start buying issues back before the first issue that you ever read. It also
1: sort of gets mixed up in your memory. You're like, I know I've read this when I was very young, but I can't remember. Right. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I'm seeing issues that I read before this issue, and I'm like, no, but I read them in a way that I was able to sort of understand them, so clearly I read them, like, later. Um, Let's see, about 1973. So... No, it's it's not this. Yeah, I was definitely reading the Fantastic Four in nineteen seventy-two and seventy-three, which are, of course, the Reed and Sue are on the verge of getting divorced issues, and therefore it, it, amazingly traumatizing. Yeah, they're they're um, actually I,
1: like, I I am surprised they did that back then, because is that not also when Franklin essentially becomes a vegetable because his dad shoots him? Exactly. Yeah, which, which, is, like, why, which holy is why, which is why. Uh huh.
0: Uh huh. No, there, there's all sorts of weird shit that, that Jerry... And again, I think Jerry Conway's writing it, and he's writing Spider-Man when Gwen Stacy gets killed, and he really subscribed to this idea that you see in the letters pages a lot, which are, even from the first couple of issues of the Fantastic Four, these characters are different because they grow and change. And, you know, he takes that with these really established characters... To these, to these crazy lengths of like, yeah, we're gonna kill Gwen Stacy because, because things change. Yeah, because why not? Character. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then when he does, people are like, what? "What?" Yes, unfortunately, one of those people was Stan Lee, so it was kind of like, um, <laughs> "Change enough." <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: It, it, Excelsior,
0: true believer. Time to undo that.
1: <laughs> it's funny that you say that, though, because I was reading, and we've talked about this before, um, Engelhart's Fantastic Four, which is after Burn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, when he writes out Reed and Sue, mm-hmm. puts the thing in charge, and brings on Crystal and Ms. Marvel as replacements. Mm-hmm. Um, and there really is a sense, at least in the early issues, before he pretty much goes through the motions because someone's been like, calm down now, Steve. Um, there really is a sense of, first of all, that he genuinely believes that, like, this is the next chapter in a continuing story in a way that right. you don't get in ongoing going superhero stories anymore. No, not at all. Like, he's very aware of the history, but he's also very aware of not repeating the history. Mm-hmm. Um... But there's also this weird sense of like it is actually the characters growing and changing, which again you don't get anymore. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And like the characters acknowledging that they're growing and changing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. It, I'm not necessarily sure that it makes the comics good, but um, it's it's weird because you just don't get that anymore. You never get characters like actually commenting on the fact that where they are is very different from where they were and continuing to grow. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. supposed to, this status quo change.
0: Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking about this and I, I realized like this, this rough idea that I had for, uh, um, you know, a teenage superhero, like a, a sort of Spider-Man ish, you know, early Spider-Man years kind of superhero that I, I wanted to pitch. It's so, like, I realized like, you know, a, I'm old. Uh, is like, I'm like, you know what? I I think it might be an awesome idea to age him. Like, you know, like you come up with a parameter for it. So it's like, I don't know, like four years of comic time for every one year of real time. And, you know, you end up doing the character for, I mean, even at that point, four point, you could do the character for like 20 years and mm-hmm. it's probably too slow. But like, I was kind of thinking about how great it is that you can have... Superboy stories, you know, Superboy stories are, are, are kind of the, the idea that a character has a spectrum, like, honestly, the idea that, that Superman has aged and has had adventures at different ages ends up to be, ends up being kind of a selling point outside the weird warped world of comics continuity. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and Smallville being in its 19th season is, is clearly <laughs> the most, you know, a tangible proof of that idea. Like, you know, the idea that people are like, oh, right, so this guy had adventures as a teen, and then you can show them, like, things of him as, as an adult, and they sort of have more resonance, you know? Like... Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know.
1: I, I it, think which, that there again, is... again, is another reason for me to tell you on the Chris Robertson Superman run. Yes. Which is, not- I believe the next issue is the do you remember the time me and Bruce teenage Bruce Wayne teamed up on the same thing and didn't realize it until many years after? See, that's great.
0: Yeah. That, that's such a, that's such an awesome classic sort of spin on the silver age plot. Um, I just, I'm totally down with that anyway. Yeah. So seeing the fantastic four when they were at their most insane, uh, it was kind of a traumatizing book, and one of my early issues, earliest issues of Spider-Man was uh, the first appearance of the Punisher. I remember seeing that issue at an airport and wanting it so badly, I could not even begin to express to my parents. But that's from, I don't know, like 1974, I guess. So it seems like I wasn't really getting into comics until I was like seven or eight, maybe. And I thought it was much younger, like five or six, but apparently. Apparently not. Or if there are, I really don't remember those issues at all. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, I think I told you another primal issue. I remember being sick with a fever and my mom going out to buy me comic books at the store And my mom's insane. She came back with an issue of Jack Kirby's Demon, which she gave to me when I was, like, running, like, a 100-degree fever. And, I mean, that really, I think it was her attempt to kill me. (laughs) in
1: Your mother is awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little too awesome.
1: I've told you before that, like, I didn't read Kirby's Demon until, like, last year.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And when I read it, I realized that it's Adventure Brothers. Like, it is so. You could that, yeah. It's so ready for someone just to do, like, a completely straight faced Kirby demon story, which would be hilarious. Like, just every single time Randy comes on, he's like, I'm using my ESP powers. Like, <laughs> yes. It's unintentionally hilarious. I, yeah. I honestly, that, because I read that in The Creeper pretty much at the same time, because DC put uh, the, out the Steve Decko Creeper collection.
0: Oh, yeah, which I still um,
1: haven't read. Which, like, for, it made first, first of all, both are incredibly strong concepts. Mm-hmm. Like, and they've completely been fucked with since then, and they shouldn't have been. Like At their core, they're so strong and just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But also, they're just completely bad shit. Mm-hmm. Like, they're bad shit in a way that everyone who's been like, I'll make this work and change it later, has destroyed. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I th- everything yeah, is no, I agree. boring. They're so great concepts in the, in the beginning.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and I think I think it is. It's always a mistake to sort of think that you're going to fix it. I mean, I don't know. Definitely, uh, again, getting back to these ghostwriters, that book's a mess. And seeing Tony Isabella step in and start to move it more in a, a less messy, more. Traditional Marvel superhero direction. By that point, you're pretty much grateful for it, like because it <laughs> it really was just a goddamn. To- Tony
1: about. just fix it, seriously, Tony. Just just take care of it. Yeah, you know, Tony Isabella,
0: another guy who hey, like Tony's I look not, at his stuff like,
1: he, he, again does not get half the credit he deserves.
0: I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. His stuff is is strong. It's solid. It's well researched. He's like the very poor man Steve Englehart the very very
1: poor <laughs> wow that's kind of well, no, that, just, I, that doesn't come across well I know you mean <laughs> <well>. <laughs> that doesn't come across well see
0: Englehart is super high praise for me is super high praise for back then Yeah, so, in a, in a, in a, I mean
1: anytime you've got the the very poor man's <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay I could be phrasing it better anyway he does not get enough credit he no does, he really um, doesn't
1: and uh, I, I will always true. love Isabella for his creation of Black Lightning because the Black Lightning, the high concept behind Black Lightning, remains just amazing to me, and was like twenty years ahead of his time.
0: Right. right.
1: The idea of like to... he's he's this smart guy who essentially dumbs it down, <laughs> puts on an Afro wig, and goes to right. high crime to convince people that he's from the streets, so that no one will ever put his identity uh, together. Yeah is genius i mean i know it really is kind of
0: amazing isn't it it's just like wow that is such a such a strong idea i mean you know because it really does it takes it takes people's expectation of race and and tweaks it in a way that's like way i guess you, you certainly didn't see a lot of um white guys and mainstream comics creators doing, so, you
1: know. No, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And honestly, it feels like something, again, to get back to Dwayne McDuffie. did you read, I oh, know you said you didn't really pay much attention to his mouth and stuff. He did a, a spot-on Luke Cage parody in Icon. Oh, And it was yeah? called Buck Wild. Oh, my goodness. It's so <sighs> good. Because it's, it's one of these parodies that is, Completely spot on, but you realize it's so spot on because he loves the source so much, mm-hmm. so he's completely killing it, and it's it all of like every single joke connects. But you can right. tell it's because he is like, part of me is really sad. I could not write this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's and so yeah, yeah. but it, again, it's it's like because to my mind in the seventies, if you had a, a black hero, mm-hmm. he either was Luke Cage or he was the Black Panther. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He was either the strong, silent black man or the jive-talking street black man. Yes, exactly. And so you get Black Lightning, who is kind of both. Right.
0: Right, he's one whose secret identity is the other. Yeah. And it's kind of, uh, yeah.
1: Which is amazing. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's such a great idea. Uh, And again, everything that Black Lightning, you know, has gone through since then has taken that out of the character. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is such a shame. I mean, you could really just release Black Lightning now th- with that setup. But like again, if you did Black Lightning with that setup now, it would be the greatest, funniest parody ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty great. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, you know, it. Well, I, I think this is something for another time. It's also interesting to me that Black Lightning is another character that, interestingly enough came through DC with creator participation and consequently there've been theories that the reason why the character has uh, essentially been ignored and crapped on is because of that, you know, creator
1: participation. Well yeah, I mean that that's definitely the, the theory behind Black Vulcan and Super Friends. But like a Black Lightning himself has been in fairly continuous appearance since what? Batman and the Outsiders? He has, he, has, had... he has been popping up in one, one book or another cuz he was he was in the Superman books all through the 90s was he yeah well, i want to say all through the 90s that's not true through the i guess late 90s and 2000s cuz he was definitely part of the Superman cast cuz he was Lex Luthor's president uh not president uh secretary of education
0: oh right and and it's from there he ends up going into some Judd Winnick books
1: like yeah yeah he was cuz he was in 'Cause there's like there was definitely an outsiders revival mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. Maybe like the mid nineties there's an outsiders revival. Right. Uh and then his kids started showing up.
0: Yes. And so Which he still pops up in Winnix Green Arrow
1: yeah. and yeah, and some other stuff, yeah. Yeah, it, like he's he's been around a lot. It's it's mm-hmm. he's not really had a, a high profile. No. I mean but then like he ended up in Justice League when Melzer was writing it.
0: Yeah, no, which I thought was great, and then of course I didn't go, that oh, like, didn't go nowhere.
1: anywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it, it was basically like story one, story two, and
1: coda. See ya. And it was like, wait, that, that yeah, the, the the um, his run is kind of stunning in the amount of things it just doesn't deal with, especially yeah. when he's like, you know, here is a hint of a story yet to come, and then he leaves the book. Right,
0: I, there was a lot of that. It was a lot it's of the like first,
1: ooh. the first issue, his zero issue, was is like Flash forwards, and he didn't pick up on any of them. <laughs> 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 like in the middle of um, of the Lightning Saga, mm-hmm. do you not know, remember? Like there's like two pages where the cards are like, "We are all messing with time." Uh, yes, he doesn't do anything with it. And eventually, Jeff um, Johns picks up with it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Mister Gold, maybe or. or Justice Society. He, he did, ended up dealing with somewhere, and you really get the feeling it's because he was like, oh, fuck, no one ever did anything with that, to me And we spent a lot of time setting that up.
0: Right, right. No, and it wouldn't surprise me if he, like, comes back with it with some Flashpoint stuff even, you know, just because, what the hell, why not? But,
1: <laughs> um, Okay. I, I, wait, I am to tell you very quickly, my um, hilarious Brad Meltzer story. So, um... As <laughs> you know, I love to code it. And as you know, I love to code it for the wrong reasons. So I tweeted last week that, um the ted turner moment which i told you about last week right uh says ted turner is the greatest living american
0: no you did not tell me about that okay (laughs) i
1: don't think so there's a point where um they're talking about these this set of like standing stones with instructions for humanity uh that are in georgia maybe i can't remember now uh and there's a rumor that ted turner paid for it because no one knows who paid for it and there's a rumor that ted turner and he comes to Brad Meltzer and Brad Meltzer's like This is insane, this is ridiculous There's no way Ted Turner did this He's really famous, if so Ted Turner went to a town Like in 1980, people would Recognise him, people would know who he is There's no way that Ted Turner is this guy Who showed up, no one recognises him And does it. And he's like, I know Ted Turner I've met Ted Turner Ted Turner used to be my publisher And then the music stops and he goes to a tight Close-up of Brad Meltzer's face and he goes Ted Turner is the greatest living Human being in the world <laughs> Like the unexpectedness of that, and Brad Meltzer's hilarious day delivery. Honestly, I was just in tears. I thought this is the greatest, most surreal thing I've seen in television. And so I tweet, the Ted Turner thing on Brad Meltzer's recorded is might be the greatest moment of television I've seen this year. Brad Meltzer then retweets it the next day, <laughs> and I have this like moment of, oh my God, Brad Meltzer knows I exist. Oh. Shit.
0: <laughs> oh man uh wow so you got retweeted by brad melter if only he knew about these podcasts
1: oh, God. it's but no it's it's it was the weirdest moment of television and then i, I he retweeted i was kind of like he's got to be in, in the joke if he's retweeting me saying that because if i was serious that would make no sense right do you know what i mean like so he's got to be in on the joke or is he? Or is he just crazy? Who knows? But yeah, that's my <laughs> brother's story. Uh, I'm going to get on with another question from uh, yes. brothers because we have a lot. Um, are there are there any new books that we weren't expecting to like that were good?
0: Well, I I I ended up liking power man and iron fist which i talked about a little bit despite problems with the art and story <laughs> <laughs> uh the
1: I, logo I, was lovely uh,
0: the lo- yeah exactly no as as we talked about yeah i like the character of power man and i wasn't expecting that and i kind of i picked up the first issue i'll be picking up the next issue and i hope at some point it comes together because i ended up enjoying that and was not expecting that at all
1: um, I'm trying to think what I've read like that, that I liked and didn't expect to. I've discovered that I actually am really liking uh, one of Dynamite's Green Hornet books. Mm. And, and and if you told me that ahead of time, I would not have believed it. Um, which is the future one, Green Hornet Strikes. I think it's really good. Oh, interesting. Uh, is
0: that the Matt Wagner one? Or
1: is no, it, no, that's... Uh, Phil Hester uh, he's, one? He's doing... Nope, it's, it's the other one. It's Brett Matthews, who's the guy who writes the Lone Ranger book, which again is far better than it has any right to be right uh, although it comes out so periodically that really wait for the collections in Lone Ranger because I'm not joking it's like four or five months between this um, and now. and also like there's one issue left to go and it's really just like just finish the fucking book
0: yeah Jesus God like come on people
1: um what else am I been reading something, something that I've liked from the start but the last issue really surprised me was um, Paul Tobin's Spider Girl Um, And then the reason I think it surprised me was it's starting a sequel storyline to the Spider-Man Grim Hunt story, which I hated with a passion. Really, 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 really disliked. Um, And so I was like, well, I'm going to hate this storyline, but you know, I'll keep going because I've liked the rest of it so far. And I loved it. I thought it was like the best issue of the series yet. Uh, In part because it completely didn't go where I thought it was going to go. I don't know if you were reading Spider Man during Grim Hunt, but it's it really is living up to the Grim part of its title. It's completely overdosing, and you know this is dark and serious, which is so not a Spider Man story for me that I, I really like. I have real problems with Spider Man stories that are like that. Uh, right. And in Spider Girl, her father has just died, and so she is grieving, and it's a, in a really dark place anyway. And I honestly was expecting, ah, you know villain comes after spider girl she's been pushed to the the edge like really dark story and it's it's not it's the opposite it's it's villain comes after spider girl she's trying to cheer herself up she is outwitted villain anyway (laughs) like things go wrong story which which was totally not expecting experiment so i i loved it I was really really happy with it wow uh that's great Again, something I wasn't sure if I was like or not, but the Jim Ottavani T-minus, which is a graphic novel with Xander Cannon, Uh which is the history of the moon race. Um, it's really good. And I, I, I got that pretty much because I was like, huh, I kind of liked other Jim Ottavani stuff, so why not? And it's, it's great. I would highly recommend it. And I think it's called T-minus Race to the Moon. Oh. Huh. But really good. Really, really good. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and then his last question David Brothers which he then explained. David Brothers threat or menace <laughs> I think I replied by telling him he didn't have to choose that, he that could be is, both.
0: yeah it's true uh, yeah D- David Brothers definitely uh, steps outside the threat or menace paradigm and yeah he does his, what does what, yeah, he come into oh well that's what I'm saying he's both threat and menace oh, okay. he really I, is, I saw yeah. you
1: you're completely keeping him outside yeah, no, 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 I'm sorry. I I, I mean the false dichotomy. Uh, okay, no. um, Paul Hicks asks a spectacular question Ooh. Can the sound barrier be broken underwater as relates to Aquaman and Namor? Mm. This is one Not of nice. the science questions that both of us are like, I actually don't really know the answer for that. But I'm going to say, in comics, it probably can. And also, <laughs> imagine how awesome the explosion would be. Right. Right, exactly.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty good question, huh?
1: It really is, huh?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to defer to what Graham said. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, I suspect that was asked to stump us, uh, since uh, it's not something that we talk about.
1: Not a question, tr- but as I'm scrolling through my Twitter mentions, uh, I just have to point out what Brian Wood said entirely seriously that his not so secret dream is to write josie and the pussycats and i so want that to happen um,
0: that would be kind of interesting i would it? love that
1: i i you may or may not have read like his new york four which is the minx graphic novel he did he's doing a sequel mm. right now new york five which i love and the reason he says this is i was like it makes me actually want to read you doing an archie book mm. new york five really makes me want to read him doing an archie book uh, and he was like I want Dre Chosen and the Guys. And then the best part was I then said to RG Comics on Twitter, I was like, make this happen and their entire response was just three exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll happen.
0: That oh, would be oh, uh, it uh, that would, would be pretty so amazing. Good.
1: Chris mm-hmm. Motner of Robot Six and many other places um yeah, asks Chris. um asks us to about the state of comics criticism today. Phew. I I I'm... think I think this is one that, in fact, everything he he suggests, I think, are things that we might have to punt for like their own podcasts. Because he also okay. asked, "How much of an influence manga had in American comics?" Which I think is a massive subject. Comic cliches you're tired of seeing, which you might be able to tackle now. Favorite classic comic strip or reprint project? Oh,
0: that's beautiful. Favorite classic uh... comic strip
1: is probably for me still Peanuts. Um, and reprint project maybe the Peanuts collections from trans Graphics.
0: You know, I, I'm I'm really torn on it because it's, it's one of those deals where uh, uh, I, I bought them all the first time they came out. Uh, actually, I bought them all used the first time they came out, and I'm buying them all now, although I'm uh, behind. But I think uh, Cigar's Popeye is just one of the great comic strips of all time. And the fact that it is being collected is fantastic. One of the things I'm obsessed with, like I kind of was frustrated at the scope of, of their collecting. But if I had like all the money in the world, um, IDW, like I've been so jonesing for classic classic Dick Tracy Chester Gold stuff. Um, I think that I think that Chester Gold, like I don't know if they have even gotten to the stuff that's sort of the cla- like what I think of as classic and. I had such a small sampler set of Dick Tracy stuff. There was a couple of re, uh, like paperback reprints that my dad picked up for us back when I was like, I don't know, 12 or something. And those are amazing. Like I, I'm i so in love with Chester Gold's influence. Uh, I just finished reading um, Osama Tezuka's uh, Ayako, uh, which is this enormous, pink, hardbound... Um, collected edition of of this story that's insane it's like a a spy novel crossed with a family melodrama crossed with like a crime book filled with incest like it's really like this amazing lurid over the top it's kind of like if uh, Tezuka had tried to do like um, I don't know, like, I think of it like the ABC miniseries events of the 70s it's like Rich Man, Poor Man, or like a Harold Robbins novel, except it's clearly a, um, I don't know, I I sort of want to say it's it's this fascinating uh, symbolic examine, examination of post-war Japan. Great, I'm super happy that Vertical had it out, because it's, it's an astonishing book, like, his his stuff blows my mind. But looking through it, I'm completely convinced, for almost no good reason, that Suzuka was looking at Chester Gold's Dick Tracy at that point in his life. Because there's something in the character design. Um, so I think Gold is one of those guys that like cartoonists tend to give a lot of love. At, but I feel like, despite the fact that IDW is like, on volume 20 or something, mm-hmm. isn't necessarily getting a lot of love out, out in the in the comic sphere. And I'm certainly guilty of that because the first couple of issues were like two or like Gould's work wasn't quite in his prime. And I'm like, I don't want to pay like, you know, 29 bucks for like something where it's like just, you know, where it hasn't hit its stride yet. Um, So uh, I guess I would say the fact that IDW is still continuing to publish the Dick Tracy stuff and may have hit its golden era um, I think is is a sign of of something amazing and incredible because back in the old days it just seemed like they would you know collectors would reprint the same three volumes of something and then go out of business and then five years later someone would try to print the complete blah 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 and do three volumes and go out so I, I would say it's it's kind of all good don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, Jeff. Yeah, uh, isn't that like what it? stupid way to f- like in closing after babbling like an idiot about five
1: different things <laughs> it's all good I feel like we should just stop here it's all good yeah yeah, yeah. guys.